Good morning, everyone. Let's stand and worship the Lord together today. Loving God. 
before us today. Um, good to have visitors and all alike. Uh, let's open with a prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can just see your beauty, see your handiwork, know what you did during our Easter season, and we just praise and thank you for all the blessings you continually shower on us, and we can worship here freely. We ask your time as we spend this time together, our hearts will be open to the words and the songs that will uh, be spoken today. In your name we pray. Amen. Our call to worship is, we'll read it together. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Psalm 145, 3 and 4. Um, we have uh, scripture now by Jade. The scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since we um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. <laughs> You're welcome, Joyce. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witness to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Thanks so much, Joyd, for reading that passage of scripture to us. For us, and uh, as you know, this is a special Sunday for us as the Lashburn Community Church. It's always special when we have representation from our camp here with us to share the ministry of our camp. And and uh, today we have Seth and Leslie Briggs, Executive Director Seth and his wife Leslie. Do you have a title? Your Mrs. Executive Director, or? <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's good every spring to have uh, have them here with us and to share the ministry of the camp. And uh, so Seth is here to do that, to share the ministry of our camp, Manitou Lake Bible Camp, uh, and uh, to share a message from God's Word with us. So, uh, Seth, why don't you come on up, and uh, we'll have a word of prayer, and then uh, you can take it away. Lord God, thanks so much for Seth and Leslie and their work at the camp, and how you've used them over the years, and... Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd be with him as he shares this morning, uh, that you would just give him a special anointing of your spirit to share what's on his heart uh, about the camp, and also, Lord, to share your word with us, too, and help us, Lord, to hear what it is that you were saying to each one of us in our own personal lives here this morning, too. We ask this all in your name. Amen. God bless Thank you. Well, greetings from Leslie and I. Uh, you'll notice this uh, 
time that our bench is a little less full. Our kids are now taking the opportunity to stay home when we do these church visits because they now drive and do their own thing. Except for Aiden. For some reason, he chose to come to this church. I think it's to see Pastor Glenn. Or, yeah. Uh, no, but we're happy to, happy to be here. It's been, this is our 12th time around the, the cycle of, of visiting the churches, and it's, it feels like uh, reconnecting with family every time we do this. Um, I'm going to do a couple of things this morning. I want to give you an update about camp. Um, and maybe I should start by uh, saying, for those that haven't been to camp, there are some great uh, pictures at the back. I want to give away calendars this morning if you don't have a calendar yet. Um, I don't have pictures on the slides except for what Cam might be showing behind me. Um, but you should come visit camp. It's much better than in the pictures. We are a, a gospel ministry that, that shares the gospel with boys and girls uh, from all over our region. Many, many from Lashburn come every year. Some of the people in this room are going to work with us this summer. And many more are going to, well, many of you will be working as volunteers or longer. And uh, we're so encouraged by the support that we get from our local churches. Camp is nothing but an expression of local churches getting together to do um, just that, to share the gospel. Pastor Glenn's been on our board uh, most recently, but others in the room have served on the board as well. And um, yeah, just exciting to, to see what God's continuing to do at camp in our churches and in our communities. Um, but I did want to start by just giving you an update uh, from our family and a thank you from our family. We so appreciate the, the love and support and the financial support that comes from this church and, and people in this church. Uh, we are support raising missionaries at camp. All of us on staff are. Um, we've been given the, the task to raise 75% of our support and um, we're just it's not just about the money, really. It's about the prayer that comes with that money. Um, right now, uh, Leslie and I are currently looking to increase our support a little bit. That's mostly thanks to the camp board giving us a cost of living increase this year, which we are so grateful for. Um, but there's also, if you don't like us, there's also three other uh, people at camp that are raising support, and they all are in need of an increase. So if you want to know how to support financially or become an official prayer uh, supporter, um, just talk to us after the service. It's not difficult, and it's so needed. It's so important. Um, as a family, we've had a really uh, good year. Uh, we continue to be busy with all sorts of different activities. The kids uh, are now all teenagers, of course. Drew is going to leave school this year, uh, assuming he passes his last class. He's, he's only doing one class in the last semester of grade 12. Uh, so he's also doing some part-time work at a butcher shop and with a contractor down there. Aiden is in grade 11 and has uh, continued to be busy with school sports, playing drums and uh, lots of other fun things. Um, he's spending more and more time at the farm with his grandparents and he's just about ready to move in there for calving season, he said, as we drove by on the way up here. He's also making trips up to Lashburn here and there uh, to see friends up here. Uh, Jocelyn, our daughter, is now 15 and got her learners, so she's driving as well. That's three drivers out of four kids. And uh, she was busy skating in Lashburn, uh, so we've been here lots this, this winter. Um, and she's going to be serving with us at camp this summer as well as Aiden and Drew. Isaac, her youngest, who's 14, uh, continues to be the technology nerd out of all of my kids. Um, but he's learning how to uh, code and design electronics and keeps coming up with different ideas. He has automated a, a plant grow up in his room that tells him when it needs water. And uh, it's, it's interesting, but above my head. And he also is uh, excited to be at camp this summer helping with our RC uh, cars as well. Um, Leslie changed jobs this year. Leslie's at the Neilberg School as, what do you call it? SST? Yeah, special ed teacher. Uh, so she's doing that full-time now instead of classroom teaching. She is just a special ed teacher and is enjoying it. It's been a new challenge. She also graduated finally this year with her special ed certificate from the U of S. And uh, so she's legal to be a SSST. Um, for me, not much has changed. I still like, I'm enjoying uh, my kids, hunting, fishing, and all these fun things. And I enjoy my job. I love what we do at camp. Um, so that's us in a nutshell. Uh, we, are, we just got back actually from a, a family getaway 
to Toronto. So if I look a little bleary-eyed this morning, it's because we got in uh, yesterday from a week away. By the way, it was snowy when we left and not snowy in our yard when we got back. And it was, while we were in Toronto, we, we enjoyed high 20s and sunshine. So it's, it's possible and it's coming to Western Canada too. At camp, there's been a lot of exciting activity this year. Um, you've heard us say over and over again that we're raising money for Manitou 365. I'll start with that. Um, well, this has been an incredible year on that front. This is, right now is three years since we announced the start of that project. And we today are sitting at uh, around 120,000 left out of 600. So we have about 120,000 to raise out of 600 total. That might sound like a lot of money to raise. Yeah, and it is. But what that means is we are ready to start building this spring. So very, very shortly, we're going to be doing, uh, kicking off construction for our maintenance shop, which is something that we didn't anticipate to be happening first. But we actually had a donor, one donor, uh, step up to the plate and pledge, and now since then has also donated the entire amount for the maintenance shop. Uh, they're doing that in memory of, of some founding members of the camp, which is really exciting too. Um, so that's going to happen this spring, as in as soon as we get enough of the frost or the ground to start working. Um, and then this fall, we anticipate starting to build the basement uh, to move the housing unit on. We've already purchased the housing unit. And so over the summer, we're going to be looking for that last bit so that we can um, complete the basement and uh, get that all put together before snow comes back to us. Um, so we're, like, like I said, so encouraged. The board and us as a team of staff are so excited to see that this is going to happen after three years of praying, dreaming, and more praying. Uh, God's been faithful, as he always is. So what else is happening at camp, you might be wondering? Uh, there's lots coming up. We are entering our busy season. Um, we start with a banquet, which um, is in your bulletins like you saw. If you want to come to the banquet, this is for our general fund. This is crucial in a, in a fundraising project because we still have to pay the bills. We still want to run camp this year, and we want to do it with excellence. And so the banquet is April 26th. If you want tickets, you can RSVP by talking to me phoning or emailing the office, and we'll set aside tickets. You just pay at the door this year when you get there, and they'll be at the banquet. There's going to be a presentation about camp. There's going to be really good food. Uh, there's going to be a dessert auction. And so if you're someone that loves to make desserts and would like to contribute a dessert for that auction, you can also talk to me, and uh, we'll get that into the queue. Some of the desserts last year brought us, I want to say like four or $500. It was incredible. Um, and it was a lot of fun too. Just so you know, you don't have to buy dessert. There will be dessert provided there. Uh, the dessert auction is extra uh, and it's for fun. We have something called Quest Camp happening this coming weekend, April 21st to 23rd, and that is unfortunately full. So if you haven't heard about it yet, it's too late. But it's a program that is actually run by One Hope Canada in partnership with Bible League of Canada. And it's geared towards those who aren't necessarily very familiar with the Christian faith yet. Uh, but we have a mixed mixture of kids coming ages 10 to 16. So just think about that age range. We have 30 kids signed up. It's fully funded uh, and so we're excited to see that happening at camp next weekend. Um, we also have the Gospel Basics Part 4 retreat happening May the 5th to 7th and we're going to be have, we'll have our spring staff in place for that to happen which is really exciting. Um, if you don't know about Gospel Basics, it's a series of retreats that walks through each part of the Gospel story and explains it in real depth so that teens can fully grasp for themselves and explain to others what it means that they're saved and how they're saved. And, how they, and that equips them to share that with others. That equips them to withstand some of those questions that come at them and will come at them and to be more confident in what it is that Christ has done. On a practical note, we have a work bee that is scheduled for May the 12th and 13th. Now, all things going well, this work bee will include work on our maintenance shop, hopefully framing by that point. And so if you like to, to uh, you know, work with wood, it's not going to be very many hammers, but hammer and nails, um, 
just talk to me about that or just come. You can come May the 12th and stay over if you want to the 13th. It'll probably be rustic accommodations at that point in a cabin, but there will be food. Um, May the 12th and 13th, uh, there will be other jobs to do as well. I know this church has done a really good job of keeping our woodsheds supplied over the years. There will be some of that to do. And um, various cleanup activities, raking, possibly some painting, uh, lots of cleaning in the midst. So there is something for anyone and everyone to do. If you just come with expertise and want to drink coffee and direct, that's also acceptable. Uh, we'd love to see you at camp. That's May 12th to 13th. And then last thing I'll say about what's happening at Camp Jamboree, June 9th to 11th. And after that, really, we're into full swing summer ministry. Um, we have some school groups coming out in June. We have a couple of rental groups. Uh, one's a youth group, one's a church that are doing their own uh, camps there. So we're very uh, grateful to be fully booked uh, for this spring and summer. What we're looking for... Um, forward to right now is our summer ministry though. We have, our, our summer team is all in place. which And it has been for a couple of months now. We're uh, still looking for uh, LITs of course. Those are leaders in training. So if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 and want to get involved as a volunteer uh, we still have space for you. Um, we're looking for campers. Our camp, camper numbers are pretty close to where they are most years at this time but we want to see an increase this year. So if you could help us out uh, by spreading the word about camp. Very shortly, they'll be arriving in your mailboxes if you're a camper. A uh, little postcard. I ran out of them, so I don't have any here with me this morning. I apologize. Um, but the postcards you can hand to a friend and say, here's what the dates are. Uh, of course, anytime. I heard this on an ad recently. It's open 24 hours a day. Our website uh, is there, and it has all the information about what camps are and how to register for them. But if you could help us out by spreading the word and letting your friends know that we have space in every week still, and uh, we're looking forward to a really good summer of ministry. Now, we are um, seeing a large number of requests for camp sponsorship again this year, and we are up to the challenge, and we will um, do whatever we need to do to, to meet that demand. And so if you're, if you're curious, camp sponsorship is available for families that can't pay uh, the full cost of camp. And we work with the family to, to share that cost uh, by donors who step up to the plate. And so that is also an option for families that are struggling to, to pay for camp. Because I, as a father of four, know that that's a big lift to send kids to camp. Um, of course, it's also a big lift to keep them at home and have them eating groceries for the whole week in summertime. Uh, but if you want, if you want to help uh, get a kid to camp, you could also talk to me about camp sponsorship. We cover your prayers as a ministry. We fully recognize that this is God's camp. I love that Pastor Glenn said this is our camp. That's what we want our churches to feel like. This is our camp together. It's a shared ministry where we work together by praying together, by pooling our resources, by getting our hands and feet dirty if you go in the lake uh, to to help make the camp program happen. And so if you're interested in, in what it looks like to be a volunteer at camp uh, or just want to come down for a coffee, please do that. I know there's a week, uh, intermediate one, that this church is, is coming in the kitchen, coming to work in the kitchen for. We so, so appreciate that. Uh, the, the ministry that happens through the kitchen is vital. I say this every year, but I mean it every year. It does more than just fill a stomach. It ministers love and hospitality to these campers where they may not have experienced Christian love and hospitality in their life. They come and they experience a home-cooked meal that they might not recognize because they maybe for the most part eat junk food at home. That's, that's some of the campers' stories that come. And that experience of love and hospitality helps them to recognize the gospel in the, in the rest of the camp program. So as someone that comes to, to help at the kitchen, it's not just that we want slave labor. It feels like it, maybe. It's not just that we want slave labor to make sure the food's ready. Uh, it's an act of love and service to the Lord that blesses kids, and it also blesses our staff team. One thing that we're bringing back this year um, is we're going to try to adopt our summer team out.
to the local family. So if you're someone that says, well, I can't do much, I can't come to camp, but you could pray for or you could host on the weekend a summer team member, um, let me know. Lashburn's not too far away to do that. Um, you know, it's nice for staff to get off the camp property when they're, especially when they're from far away from home, and to be uh, included in a family or in a, in a, in a couple's home. Uh, so let me know if you're interested in, in being involved in that way too. Okay, I just downloaded a whole bunch of information about camp. If you have a question about camp, um, I could try to answer it now. Or if you have rather ask me after the service, I could answer it then as well. Okay, I'm going to shift gears then. We're going we're gonna to open God's word this morning. Uh, before we do that, I'm going to ask God for help here. Father, I thank you for camp. I thank you that we get the chance to, to share the good news that you sent your son Jesus to be the answer and the only answer to our sin problem. And then that's available to all who would believe, all who would call in your name. I pray that as we open your word to Hebrews this morning, that you would help us to hear what it is you want us to hear, that Seth would get out of the way, and that your spirit would speak clearly. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in my day, have you heard that before? Well, the, tr the truth is, I heard that from my parents quite a bit, and I'm starting to say that now. Um, back in my day, things were better, is often what's implied in that statement. Back in my day, you know, kids didn't have an iPhone or a cell phone. They just knew how to get from point A to point B, whatever that was. You've probably heard that said. But the truth is, back in my day, things were not always better. It's not always true. There's a great example in, from microbiology of this. Um, a guy named Anton von Leeuwenhoek, I don't know if I said that correctly. He was around in the 1600s and his main career was making drapes. It doesn't sound like a very manly career, but I guess he was making drapes. So he was concerned with the linens that he was buying. And as someone who was concerned about the quality of linens he was buying, he took it upon himself to learn how to make lenses so he could look really, really closely at the fibers. Well, in doing that, he accidentally, well, maybe, maybe not accidentally, but he unintentionally stumbled into creating the very first microscope. When he looked through this microscope, he started to, to recognize that there were small, tiny, living things that were all around. And he, he was viewing, for the very first time, the microscopic world now, that was amazing because before that time, you know, I don't think uh, sickness and sanitation were really well understood. Um, so he did that in the 1600s. Now, unfortunately, that understanding had to develop for another 200 years because up until 200 years later, they were still in the hospitals going from the morgue to the birthing room and causing infections. Um, but it was starting to get better. As they could see that these little living creatures were living and reproducing and being transferred, they started to understand things like epidemiology. And even that was the precursor to understanding immunology, how our bodies fight infections, and what they were fighting in those infections. It got better in terms of the old way in the 1600s of doing sanitation wasn't as good as it is today. Now, the book of Hebrews that we're going to look at today is all about how Christ is better than the old ways, the old systems and the old days. Christ is better. So if you hear nothing else this morning, just remember that. Christ is better. I don't take that as an invitation to not pay attention, but that is essentially the take-home message this morning. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 1 this morning, and... Um, we know that the entire Bible was given to us on purpose and for the purpose of revealing God's magnificent plan for redemption and his glory in the person of Jesus Christ. The New Testament needs the Old Testament. Now, I'm not saying the old systems, the old ways are garbage, that we should throw them out. 
But Christ is better than the old system and the old ways. We're going to see that in the passage today. The Old Testament needs the New Testament in that it foreshadows the coming of Christ. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 this morning. Verse 3 is our theme verse for the summer. And the theme word is radiate. We're going to see that there's a lot packed into this little passage. Um, but we're going to read this to see how Christ is better. Um, how he's better and what that means for us. So let's read Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to look at this passage, just kind of walk through it, and we're going to see five different truths, five different things. The first thing that we see in verse 1 and 2. It says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has spoken to us fully and finally through Jesus Christ. That might be a little bit abstract to, to think about at first, that God spoke to us by sending Jesus. It's not a coincidence in John chapter 1 that Jesus is called the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was the Word made flesh. Now, if you look in, your, in John chapter 1, you'll notice that Word is a capital W. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a title of God. It's not a, a coincidence that He was called the Word made flesh. But if you think about it, what is a Word? What is a Word? Well... And we, we all want for our kids that they could speak. That's one of the, the milestones, right? That they can learn to speak. And why is that such a, a crucial thing? Well, a young child is so frustrated until they can express themselves, right? They can't tell you that they're hungry. They can't tell you that they're hurting. They can't tell you. They just cry. But once they learn to, to use words, they can express themselves. A word really is intention expressed. Or feeling expressed. So Jesus being called the Word, it's, it's God expressing himself to us. The prophets and the Old Testament writers, when they wrote in the Old Testament, they were really inspired to point us towards the coming Christ. If you do this, this experiment, you read through your Old Testament and think about that. How is this pointing me towards Christ? You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed if you give it some time and some study that every part of the Bible is pointing forward towards Christ. And then the event happens. Christ arrives. We just celebrated the death and resurrection of Christ. But Christ on earth was God expressing himself fully to us. His intention was expressed. His intention for redemption. His intention to be merciful. And to still remain just. We'll unpack that more in the coming points here. So the first thing is, we know that God spoke to us fully and finally through Christ. It says that in verse 1 and 2. As we read on, we, we see that we can look to Christ to learn about God and ourselves. We can look to Christ to learn about God and ourselves. Well, where do we get that from? If we continue reading, uh, it says this, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. So you might be scratching your head wondering, well, where does he get that we can look to Christ to learn about God and ourselves? Well, we're, we learn two things here about 
Christ. He's the heir of all things and the creator. Have you ever inherited something as an heir? When that property, that estate is transferred to you, you become the owner of it. You become the manager, the steward of it. You become the, the person that, that makes decisions to, to direct it. Christ is the heir of all things. It says right here in his word that he is the heir of all things. That means he owns it. It also says that he created all things through whom he made the universe. Again, flipping back to John chapter 1, I'm, I'm actually going to turn there just to, to show you that Jesus was there at creation. He was involved in creation as a part of the Trinity. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Just to reiterate it. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Again, it's pretty clear that he's involved as a creator. Not just an observer, but he was actively creating. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He is the creator. Jesus is the creator. We think of Jesus as the man that showed up 2,000 years ago, roughly. But he is also present at creation in all of eternity. He was involved in creation. So why is this significant? Why can we now look to him to learn about God and ourselves? Well, if, you, if something is broken or not working as it should, what do we do? Well, if you're like me, you probably Google it first. Find a YouTube video that might explain it. But even better than the and I've been led astray by many a YouTube video. You can do better than that. You can go to the actual creator designer and say, just wondering, why isn't this working like it should? And usually, if they're the creator designer and the owner, they would be able to say, well, that's because X, Y, and Z. I have learned over the years at camp a lot about water system. The camp's water system, that is. Larry was a big part of helping me learn that. And today, I can sit in my office and hear something in the distance, a pump running. And I can usually anticipate, oh, something's not quite right. It's not because I'm the owner, per se, but I am the manager of it. I have been. Thankfully, AJ is there now and taking over. Um, but I, I've seen enough of the, the inner workings that I can, I can, and I've talked to one of the designers here, Larry, uh, to, to know what some of the intricacies of that, how much better, how much better uh, would we understand ourselves if we could talk to the designer, creator, owner of this machine there, this being that we live in. Jesus is the owner, the creator. Now, if you, in case you're wondering, is he really the owner? Well, it says he inherited all things. He inherited all things. Um, if we look at, in Revelation 5, chapter 5, verse 6, um, we see on the throne room in heaven, who's on, who sits on the throne? The sovereign, right? The, 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 the supreme, and that's Jesus on the throne room in heaven, pictured as a lamb. Jesus is the owner creator. Ask him those hard questions. So this is the, the application of this point. Ask him those hard questions about yourself because he knows. Maybe you're having an issue in some area of your life. Some of those areas of our life seem really mundane or practical or maybe not. Maybe they don't rise, we think, to the level of asking God about them. But you should ask God. He knows how you're created. He knows how you're knit together in the womb in Psalm 139. He knows. So we can confidently ask him as the designer, creator, owner about ourselves. We can look to Christ to learn about ourselves. We can also look to him to learn about God. If we read on, it says, The sun, in verse 3, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So we'll start off with the radiance of God's glory. This is our theme for the summer. He's the radiance of God's glory. This is a reference, I believe, uh, at least in part, to Moses coming down the mountain after encountering God's presence. In Exodus chapter 33. 
Do you remember this story? Moses was leading the Israelites through the wilderness. They had, they had, uh, it, Moses had gone up the mountain to, to, to spend some time with God. While he was up there, I'm going to flip this over to Exodus 33. Uh, something incredible happens. Exodus 33, um, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses, starting at verse 18. So this is Moses on the mountain and, and interacting with God. It says, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. Then the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. This seems like an incredible little snippet of a much bigger story. But that the God of the universe would get that close to someone who is infected or affected by sin, by the fall, in Moses. When God's glory was shown, what did it mention about it? What did God, what did God verbalize when he was going to let his goodness pass in front of Moses? Did he say, well, I'm going to let my goodness pass in front of you and you're going to see my might? No. Did he say, you're going to see my justice? No. He said this, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. He was revealing something very significant about his heart to Moses in this. He had every right to say, you're not worthy Moses, and, and when this happens, look out. But instead he pointed to one of his attributes. Not the only attribute, not the most important attribute, but the one he wanted us to, to remember, is that he would have mercy, he would show compassion. If we go back to Moses, when Moses came down the mountain, people were uncomfortable with the glory of God. And I don't know if Moses realized it right away, or if someone had to tell him. But he came down the mountain and he was literally glowing, radiating God's glory. It made people so uncomfortable that they wanted him to put a veil over his face. I don't know if you've felt like this before, but it's hard to actually describe why something glorious might make us uncomfortable, except that we are now more aware of our shortcomings. We're now more aware of the reality of who we are as we stand next to radiant glory. I believe the people here that were around Moses, even though it was secondhand, it was reflected glory, uh, were uncomfortable because they recognized that they were not worthy to be around God's glory. Uh, we see that they wanted him to wear a veil. If you flip over to uh, chapter 34, 29 to 33. But God's glory is now shown today. God's glory is now shown today in Christ and in the lives of those who are redeemed by Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says this. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. See it's a, hint, uh, a reflection back to this story. We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He, as Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. The radiance of God's glory. Now, if we think back to the Easter account that we just celebrated. If we just look at it on a surface level, it might not have seemed very glorious. The conquering king, Jesus, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The conquering king, Jesus, was beaten and tortured and whipped and bloodied and humiliated. Doesn't seem very victorious. The conquering king was put on a wooden cross and killed slowly and painfully. 
doesn't seem very glorious. Until we look at Sunday. When he defeated death. He didn't stay in that grave. And we realize that he was saying this all along. He was doing this willingly for you and for me. Because he knew that was the only way. That redemption, that forgiveness for sins could be possible. That's truly glorious. He didn't compromise any of his attributes in doing this. He remained fully just. He remained fully holy and righteous. And he also was fully loving and compassionate and merciful. God's glory is now shown in Christ. And in our lives as we are affected by that as, as recipients of this grace, as recipients of this salvation. See, it was glorious. It is glorious. He is glorious. He is also the exact representation of his being, it says in this, in this verse. The exact representation of God's being. If there's ever any doubt in your mind, like, I wonder what God is like, study the life of Christ. Like, really study it. Look at his reactions. Look at his, his, his motives. Look at how, how he carried himself. And you'll see a lot of what God is like in Christ. He's the exact representation. There's no closer copy. He's not a copy either. That would be heresy to say that. He is God. And he gave it... God gave us Christ as something that we could actually relate to. Now, you... If you're like me, think about what God is like is a really hard exercise because I can't even begin to comprehend what an almighty God would be like. But I can start to grasp a little bit what the man Jesus was like. God gave us Jesus as the representation of himself so that we could actually see in flesh and blood what God was like. And we could relate to it. We could comprehend it. We could see it. Uh, what it would be like. He was and he is glorious in spite of being fully human. Understanding what God is like is actually a lifelong pursuit and we're not going to tackle that in a, in a day or a week or maybe not even in 80 years. Um, but it's worth pursuing. It's worth pursuing. If you want a good study, um, that, is, that is a lifelong study that you should, you should do. And you won't be able to avoid looking at Christ when you study what God is like. It's the centerpiece, the culmination, the pinnacle of what God is like. His word expressed, his intention expressed to all mankind in the, in the person of Jesus. We see this uh, shining through. And again, looking back to in Exodus, when Moses asked God to pass in front of him, what did he mention? His mercy and his grace. Hinting at, foreshadowing Christ Jesus. Okay, moving on. We've got a couple more points. The third thing that we see is that Christ is the sustainer of all things. Christ is the sustainer of all things. What does that mean for you and I? That means we can confidently lean into him. We can stand in his strength when we're feeling weak. How does he sustain all things? Well, it's pretty clear in this passage. He sustains all things. By his powerful word. By his powerful word. Again, there's that word concept coming up. How has your week been? Have you felt like you're in a storm? If so, did you know that you can lean into him? You can do it by looking to his word. This is, this is maybe counterintuitive for a lot of us. But... Sitting down with God's word, opening it, can actually, um, when we're feeling pressed for time, when we're feeling pressured, like we need to be working harder, the answer is probably found in these pages. If you spend some quiet time with your Bible open. Look to his word. Meditate on his word. Incorporate the truth of his word into your life, into your values, and of course your practices. It's a powerful word. It's a mighty word. Are you confident of that today? I pray that you'll get more confident in that truth. So much so that it starts to nudge you to open this up. Now if you're not a 
someone that is prone to like to read, there's other ways around that. You can listen to your Bible. Someone else can read it to you. Um, but go to the, these words. These are not just words on a page. These are words that bring life. Christ is the sustainer of all things, so we can confidently lean on him in our weakness. Fourth thing, second to last. We can rest on Christ who has completed the work of salvation. We can rest on Christ who has completed the work of salvation. If we read on in this passage, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Listen to this. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He sat down. The evidence that this work is completed is that he's seated now at the right hand. He's not standing or he's not working. He's trying to do more. I've got to do a little more work so that Seth's sin can be covered now. No, it's complete. It was fully complete on that day that he died and rose again. We can be confident that the work is complete. Why do I mention this? Well, this is probably one of my areas of, this is one of my areas of weakness. I have this tendency, maybe you do too, this perpetual tendency to pick up the tools and go back to work on my own salvation. I might not call it that or actually consciously think that out loud, but I act like it. I start operating in terms that, that I have to earn merit to, to be in the good books with God. You know, it might be, uh, an example of this might be, just add this practice to your week to be sure, or understand this certain area of doctrine a little more clearly to be sure, or abstain from certain foods or drinks just to be sure, or activities. But to be sure, not just, just so you know, I'm not saying that this, uh, there, there will be evidence of a heart that's been transformed by Christ by grace. But that evidence doesn't provide the merit for me being in the good books with God. That, ev that evidence that those good works aren't what saves me. The gospel is radically different than that. We operate and we live in a merit-based system. Every one of us. If we go to work, we get paid. That's merit-based system. It's more subtle than that in other parts of our life, but the gospel is radically different than a merit-based system. Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorite verses in all of the scripture. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10 say this. For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Grace is unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. But God gave it freely. This isn't a merit-based system where the points are kept to, for and against, and if you come out on the good side, you might make it. No. Christ completed the work. He sat, he's sitting down. He's resting. Even think about the, the seventh day of creation, the Sabbath. Why did God sit down and rest on the seventh day? Have you ever considered that? Did God tire out? Was he like exhausted from creating all the birds and the dinosaurs and the oceans? No. He's almighty God. He is omnipotent. He doesn't have an end to his energy supplies or his creativity. He sat down for our benefit and rested. And he commands us to sit down and rest. Why is that? It's so that we can acknowledge that our work isn't going to be what saves us. Our work isn't going to be what keeps us provided for. And very much in a gospel sense, our work isn't what pays for our sins. It's Christ's work. Christ is seated at the right hand of God, symbolizing that the work is done. We couldn't earn it. We didn't earn it, so we should resist the urge to try by our feeble attempts to add to what is already a perfect and complete work. We can rest in that completed work and rejoice. 
Let your good works that are talked about in Ephesians 2, just be that. Worship to him. I'm going to do good things because I am so thankful. I'm going to do good things because this is how God's designed me to thrive and to live. He's our, remember, he's our creator. He knows how you're designed to best function. It's not repressive to live according to God's plans. That's what the world will tell you. It's not, it's not uh, backwards or, or uh, legalistic. It's freeing. It's freeing you to be who God created you to be. Let your good works be a loving, thankful, and joyful response to what is already complete in Him. And then if we read through to the end of verse 4. So, He became as much superior to the angels as the name He has, an inherit, has inherited is superior to theirs. That simply put, Christ is better. Better than the angels. The angels are pretty good. Christ is better. All of the book of Hebrews, and I, I have been reading through Hebrews very slowly this spring. All of the book of Hebrews just continually, relentlessly points that Christ is better. Christ is better than your attempts to save yourself. Christ is better than the sacrificial system. Christ is better than whatever you could dream up to try to save yourself or solve your own problems. Christ is better. The pressure can come off. We can rest in that. We can rejoice in that. We can serve him freely because of that. We can tell our neighbors and our friends that Christ is better with confidence. I invite you to, this week to consider this and to, to think about what ways am I trying to replace Christ in my life? What ways am I trying to earn my own way? What ways am I trying to, to work where work is not needed? And then give it up. Let it go. Put it down at the foot of the cross and recognize that it's a completed work. There's no way that I can get this better than he already has. Does that mean we're not going to face trials and storms? No. But it does mean in those trials, in those storms, our confidence can remain solid. That, yeah, this might hurt, but I know God has got this. I know he does. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for expressing your word through Christ Jesus so clearly. Your word that in spite of our sin, in spite of the fact that we just, rightly and justly deserve death for our sin, you sent Jesus to take our place in that punishment for all who would believe on him. I thank you for the grace and mercy that you've shown to those that you've saved, Lord. Help us to be more and more confident of this work. To stop trusting our own selves or hollow philosophies that the world might throw our way that might sound tempting, Lord. But help us to trust in you. I thank you for the book of Hebrews, how you remind us over and over that Christ is better. pray that we would go from here this morning remembering that clearly. And that we would um, be motivated not by fear of rejection, but by love, thankfulness, and worship when we do those good things that you've called us to do, those things that you've prepared in advance for us to do this week. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I was busy being a Martha and I was organizing music and so I told Cam to pick out songs and we didn't know what Seth's point were. But um, our last two songs that he picked out I think really fit well with Seth's point number two and point number three. So it's just an interesting thing how things work together. So let's stand and sing together.
Thank you for your singing.